we come to Matthew 19 in the book of Hebrews, which means we're about halfway through this book. Again, this is a book written to Jewish background, Christian believers scattered through the Roman Empire by persecution. And some of them are turning away and going back to Judaism. And the writer is reminding them, don't go back to the old covenant, to Judaism, to the sacrificial system. But look to Jesus, because Jesus is the greater high priest. These chapters 7, 8, 9, 10 point this out, how Jesus is a better priest. And here we find that in every aspect, Jesus is a better priest than any priest of the Old Testament sacrificial system. And our first point, there are three points. One, Jesus is the surety or guarantee of a better covenant. Then two, Jesus' priesthood is unchangeable. It's eternal. And three, Jesus' priesthood is a priesthood that's fitting for our needs as sinners before a holy and just God. And so, let's look at these verses from in chapter 7 Verses 20 to 28. The first thing in verse 20, as we look at this section about Jesus being the guarantee of this covenant, the first thing that we see, this has been repeated in these chapters that Jesus did not choose of his own volition to be a priest. He did not wake up one day and he said, I'm going to be a good Jewish man and go study for the priesthood. It'll be a good vocation. He was not appointed as under the law because his father or grandfather or great father, grandfather had been a priest. He was not appointed a priest because he happened to be born in the tribe of Levi. We're reminded here, Jesus is a priest, not because 
of the law or of Levi or his birthright. He's a priest because God the Father swore an oath. You, my son, are a priest according not to Levi, but to the order of Melchizedek. Again, quoting Psalm 110. And so we see, we're reminded, why is Jesus a priest? Because it was the will and the oath of his Father. God chose him. God the Father appointed, selected the Son to do the work of redemption. So we're reminded, Christ, by the oath of God, is a priest like Melchizedek. We talked about Melchizedek a few weeks ago, a, a king of righteousness that Abraham brought sacrifices and dies to. And Jesus is like him, not like the corrupt priest that followed after Levi. And what he says here, that the Lord has sworn. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't relent of this promise. I have made you a priest. And that does not change. And because my son is my priest. And then he says in verse 22, Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. The word surety is only used this one time in the New Testament. Another way to say it is the word guarantee. Who guarantees this covenant between a holy God and sinful man? It's Jesus, the Son of God. It's by His person and His work that what God promises is brought to completion and is affected. It's not based on the work of man. It's not based on what you and I can do. But it's based on the work of Christ. So what God promises in Christ is fulfilled 
The scripture says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. When he says that it's a, a new covenant and a better covenant, he's fulfilling the promise that Jeremiah the prophet said. He said, I will make a new covenant with my people. I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will write my laws on your heart and you will be my people. So you see, God had made covenants with Adam, with Abraham, with Moses, and with the people of Israel that he chose. But now God promised a better covenant, a greater covenant, with better terms, better provisions, and better promises. And Jesus, the Son, guarantees it to be sure and true. Think about this, how it's a better covenant. God made a covenant with Moses. He gave them the law. He gave them the ceremonial law, that sacrificial system in the tabernacle and the temple. But that system was governed by sinful priests, sinful men, and it was a system that only covered sin because the blood of animals could not fully atone for the sins of a person. It's a good thing that God made that covenant. Think about this. God, in his plan, took this insignificant group of people. He chose Abraham. He raises up Jacob, changes his name to Israel, gives Israel 12 sons. And out of this, this one man with 12 sons, God makes this covenant to choose this nation, this little insignificant, not powerful nation, this little nation, he brings them out of slavery through the desert 
into Canaan, gives him a little piece of land. A few years back, the Palestine Liberation Organization under Arafat said that Israel was like a little brown anchovy of a spot on the coast of the Mediterranean. Like this little insignificant, insignificant country in the midst of these greater countries. And think of it. God said to Abraham, I'll make you a great people. And he does it through Israel and his sons. And after hundreds of years of slavery, they cross the Jordan, take the land. And the, the whole system and government is set up. But it's a small, insignificant country compared to Babylon and Persia and Egypt and Greece and Rome. But God made the covenant, a good covenant, while it lasted. But here you see, God said, I will give you a better covenant with a better mediator and a better guarantee with better terms. The old covenant, yes, it dealt with sin. By grace, I'm dealing with a sinful people. But I'm giving you a greater and better covenant where sin will be propitiated for and taken away, not by the work of the shedding of blood of animals, but the shedding of the blood of my son. Better covenant, better terms. This covenant, the old covenant, was basically confined to the Jewish people and some Gentile proselytes. This covenant goes to the ends of the earth and includes not just Jews, but Gentiles, peoples of every tribe, and every time, this covenant and this gospel will be preached to every nation. Praise God. Guess what? That includes you and me today and the world around us. So you see, God said it through Jeremiah, a new covenant, a covenant not just for 
a little nation, but for the whole world, not for just 12 tribes and a few hundred thousand people, but a message, a redemption that would bring people to true salvation from every tribe, every tongue, different ethnicities, different skin colors. This is a greater covenant and a covenant not based on temporary sacrifices that have to be repeated, but a covenant based on one permanent sacrifice. A covenant that promises forgiveness of sin, imputation of righteousness, adoption into God's family, and eternal life. It's a better covenant, better promises, and it's guaranteed by the person and the work of the Son who was chosen by the oath of God. So we also see that the second boy, that this priesthood of Jesus is an unchangeable priesthood. So we see under the old covenant, he says in verse 23, there were many priests. One priest couldn't handle all the sacrifices for thousands of people. We're told, scholars say, at the time of Jesus, at that Passover, there were 18,000 priests in the nation of Israel. Many of them of the Sadducee party. And all the priests were called to Jerusalem during the Passover because it was the, the duty of every Jewish household if you could to come to the temple have your lamb sacrificed as a sin offering for your household that took all the priests of the country to come and do this religious duty thousands and thousands of lambs killed on that day. So as you see, under the old covenant, this is what you had to do. You either went to the tabernacle when it was standing or to the temple later on. Find the priest. Bring your animal sacrifice. 
whatever the law required. It could be doves. It could be goats or lambs or a ram, sheep. And you had to do that often for your sins. And so it's a system that the shedding of blood covered their sins. God didn't look upon their sin. But it didn't take away their sin once and for all. So Jesus, as a priest, brings to us a priesthood of eternal and forever consequences. And uh, he says here that all these priests were prevented from being a priest forever because obviously they were mortal men and they died. So if a man dies, his priesthood could go to his son or grandson and it continued in the Levitical line. And we're told that during the time of Jesus that the high priest was changed every year. That at the time of Jesus being arrested, Caiaphas was the high priest that year. And so this is how the priesthood functioned. There had to be more than one priest. And they didn't live forever. They got sick. They died. They become incapacitated. Other men took their place. But they had to be replaced. This goes on for 1400 years since the law is given to Moses. And he's saying here, they just can't continue. But God says, under the new covenant, I'll give you a priest, a priesthood that does not change. It continues forever. And it's unchangeable. Do you see the value of this? How difficult it was to be a believer under the old covenant. And think about perhaps you live close enough to the temple and you could go to the temple one week and offer a sacrifice because you felt you had sinned. But what about a couple of weeks later? And you know, you sin again. What do I do? Do I have to go get another animal and go back? Will God be pleased with you? 
Will he be angry with me? I have to keep going back. The priest have to keep offering sacrifices. Because we keep sinning. Because the priest is sinful. And they offer sacrifices for themselves first. And then for all these people. Stiff-necked, rebellious people. They were told. Right? So not a group of people living upright, righteous lives. No, they were sinners. Think how despairing this could be to think. We have to keep going back. To the temple, to the priest. Some priests are corrupt and did evil. How do I know the priest did it right? How do I know what he did would be pleasing, would be obedient to the law? So you see, the old covenant was good. But God says, I have a better covenant, better terms, better provisions. A better mediator. A better guarantee. And it's through Christ. Whose priesthood. Is unchangeable. It continues. It didn't stop. At his death. Why? Friday came. But Sunday came. Yes he died. He descended. Into the earth. But he was raised alive in a glorified body, having conquered sin and death and the devil, and he lives forever. Where? At the right hand of his father. And so he says, this priesthood continues forever. Because it's like Melchizedek, not like Levi. It's an unchangeable priesthood. You know, I know all of us in this room believe this. But you know, the world does not. The world thinks you need something different. You need a different way to get to God. Let me try the Hindu gods and put Jesus with them. Let me try worshiping nature and a little bit of Jesus. Let me try the way of Muhammad or Buddha and Jesus. Maybe that'll work. Maybe I have to beat myself and scar myself for my sins. The world scoffs that the death of Christ, the sinless lamb, was the sufficient sacrifice 
for the sin of God's people once and for all. Do you believe it? The unchangeable, perfect, redemptive work of Christ. And he says, it's because of this unchangeable truth, brothers and sisters, this is a fact. This is true. It's not an idle promise. It's not a lie. This is the faithful promise of God. My priest did the work. It's sufficient. It's complete. Therefore, he says in verse 25, this Jesus is able to save anyone who will come to God through him. Do you want to be saved? We tell this message to the world, to our neighbors. Do you want salvation? Come to Jesus. He is able to save completely, it says. That is, do the uttermost. Again, the work of Christ, his sinless life, his active and passive obedience. God the Father was satisfied with it. And what Jesus started, Jesus finished. If we come to Christ, he doesn't lose us. He doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry. I was busy doing something else. And I forgot about those people down at Christ Church in Delaware County. You're on your own. No, he started it. He finished it. He's the anchor of salvation, the anchor of our soul. Brothers and sisters, be comforted that in Christ, your salvation is complete. Romans 8 said that, different language, but Romans 8 said, what? Whom God elected, he predestined, he chose, he called, he justified, he glorifies. Brothers and sisters, our salvation it's completely the work of God through Christ the Son and the application and regenerating work of the Spirit. But because it's based in God, it's completed by God, we are saved 
to the othermost. Don't despair. Your hope is in Christ. All who come to Christ. Jesus said, Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weak and weary, because my burden is light. I won't cast you out. But people don't want to come because they think they can do it on their own strength or through other religious leaders. But that's folly. The truth of Christianity. Christ is sufficient to save. And that's good news, isn't it? And then he says, this God, this Jesus, where is he? Sitting at the right hand of his Father. Because he's alive. He lives to make intercession for his people, each of his people, you and me. So that means, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ knows your trouble and prays, prays. For your goodness and for your sanctification, for your deliverance out of temptation, for your strengthening. Isn't this comforting that this great king, this great priest, continues his work? For us today. And he doesn't say. Well I forgot. About this person. Or I don't care about. Him anymore. No. Jesus. Is a good shepherd. He shepherds his peop people. Well. The good shepherd. Knows his sheep. By name. And he leads them to good pasture and to eternal life. Amen. Then the third point, the last few verses, is the surety of a better covenant. It's an unchangeable priesthood. And it's a priesthood sufficient and fit for our needs. We're sinners. What did each of us need? We needed a priest to deal with our sin. But the Old Testament priests were also sinners. Had to offer sacrifices for their sins and the sins of the people for 1400 years daily sacrificing 
many animals. That's the old system. But look what the writer says. What do we need? We need a priest that can do the job once and for all. We need a priest that's fit for our need as sinners to deal with our sin, forgive our guilt, give us righteousness. So what's he say in verse 26? Look at the character of this priest. He's fit to be a priest because he says five things. This priest is holy. Why? Because Christ is the Son of God and he's like his Father. He's holy. He's without sin. He does not do evil. He's not tempted by evil. Our priest can represent the Godhead because he's holy. This priest, it says, is harmless. Some translations say innocent. It's kind of both. There's no guilt in him. God can look at this priest and say, I see no sin. He's an unblemished lamb. But harmless. Guess what? This priest is looking out for you. He's not looking to bring evil upon you. You know, there are many priests of religious systems who are basically nothing but demon-possessed witches or so. And they bring great harm. But here we have a priest who does not bring us harm, but good things. Amen. And this priest is undefiled. He's not spoiled by sin. Tempted in all points of the law. But dealt with it without sin. He wasn't an idolater. He loved his father with all his being. He loved his neighbor well. He fulfilled all the commandments. An undefiled priest, separate from sinners. He mingled with sinners. He ate with sinners. He prevented sinners. But he was different than we are because 
He's the Son of God. Incarnate. A priest. Look how good he is. Holy. Undefiled. Armless. Separate from sinners. See, that means somebody can't say, Oh, that Jesus guy. He had all those women who followed him around. He must have been an adulterer. Modern man has said that in various movies and books. He must have been corrupted because he, he had to be because he hung out with people. But no, he was separate from sinners, though he befriended sinners. And lastly, this priest has been exalted, glorified, made higher in the heavens. He did not stay in the grave. Up from the grave, he arose, ascended into heaven, exalted. Yes, he had been humbled to the point of death. But now, glorified, exalted, above the earth, above creation, because as co-creator, he's above it, and Jesus has been restored to his position of glory, and this Jesus will soon return back to this earth as king to rule heaven and earth. Other priests have died, have seen corruption. This priest did not see corruption and he has been exalted above that again let us not make light of the person of Christ this is the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord whom we are to follow, serve, obey, whose name we have taken. And it is this Lord upon whom every knee and every knee, every knee and every tongue shall bow and confess. He's no mere little tribal deity. This is the work of God, our God, whom we have been adopted into his family. And again, the writer reminds us, the old priest, the old high priest, 
because he is mortal and sinful, had to keep offering sacrifices day after day, 52 weeks a year, for 1,400 years. But because of Christ, that system has been annulled and done away with. Because Christ has paid the one sacrifice, the legal, penal, substitutionary payment for sin once and for all. No more sacrifice is necessary. We don't have to go to the market and get an animal and sacrifice. There are still groups who do these things. Many Hispanics practice Santeria where they shed animal blood. Various other tribal groups do these things. But that's false. Jesus shed his blood once and for all for sin. No other sacrifice. He didn't shed his blood because he was a sinner. He shed his blood willingly for the sins of his people. Because that's what we need. And he was a priest fit for our need. And I want to say, if Christ's sacrifice is sufficient, you don't need to try to appease God by good works or some type of religious duty and other sacrifices are false and needless and there is no need to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem for Christ to return to and this is one of the errors of the Roman Catholic Church that they re-sacrifice Christ in the Mass by saying that this wafer, the transubstantiation of this wafer has made it to be the body and blood of Christ. The Reformers thought that to be a grave error that to do that was unbiblical because the work of Christ is complete once and for all. There's no re need to re-sacrifice. And guess what? There's no need for a false place called purgatory where you might go 
for thousands or tens of thousands of years to finish the work that Christ didn't complete. Those are false doctrines. Look to the completion, the work of Christ, because there's our hope. There's our salvation. If we look to have to do something else, we will despair. We will lose hope. We might fall into sin. But look to Christ, this complete, unchangeable priest. Because this is the priest. He says, God appointed, the law appointed priest, according to Levi. God the Father swore an oath. God the Father appointed his son as priest because the law wasn't sufficient to save sinners. God swore the oath. Chapter 6 said, I swore. By what? I swore by my character. Because if I swear by my character, the oath is unbreakable. And I, God, cannot lie. So, God the Father swore, this is the priest of the better covenant. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed because of my oath. And I cannot lie. The person and the work of Christ are sufficient for our salvation. Action points. I would like you to read the rest of the other six chapters of the book of Hebrews in the coming weeks to get a better understanding of the work of Christ for each of us, for you. The second action boy, I want you to rest and abide in the true vine. Christ, you have been placed as a branch in the true, unbreakable, undying vine, Christ, the great priest, remain with Christ, and you'll grow, you'll mature. You'll bear fruit for him. And third, I want you to trust and rest in the great fact that Jesus is not asleep. He's not somewhere else in a faraway galaxy. 
is at the right hand of God and he lives to pray to intercede for you today tomorrow forever and the intercession means he prays in your need in your trouble and the intercession means that when you sin you can confess your sin and know he forgives it the promise of 1st John 1 9 and when Satan accuses you because Christ is your priest he's your defense attorney and he can say to the accuser he's mine she's mine I paid for his or her sin my work my priesthood continues for them not that he has to die again but the fact is because he's alive his work for us continues and will bring us to glory and if we pass out of this world in the death praise God we're with Christ Jesus in the presence of God Amen Kurt, could you pray for us briefly? Yes. Sure, Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your priesthood. We thank you for John 3, 16 and 17. You gave your life so that we can have eternal life. You didn't come to condemn us. You just came to save us. We thank you for George's preparation. We thank you, Lord, for speaking through him and through him and to us. Lord, we thank you that you are a high priest. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat>